Cécile, bienvenue <rire> sur le podcast. Merci, j'adore. <laughs> yeah. Tu parles français? Oui, oui, oui. Oui, oui. If I had to do it in French, it would be a very short podcast. <laughs> But I actually Google translated that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, how, how the fuck is everything with you, Cécile? I'm good, thanks. Yeah? I'm super happy to be here. Good. I'm happy that you're here. Yes. You know, because I saw that you opened up for Alan Carr. Yes. And I was right. like, that must be an amazing experience. It was. And when you posted it, I, was, I couldn't make it, but I was like, oh... I need to talk to you about that. Well, the thing is, the booking came quite late on me. Yeah. I guess I, I got an SMS like five days in advance. Yeah. First, I was like, is this true? Am I reading correctly? Yeah. Uh, plus, the, the venue was very big. It was a big theater. It's Folketeater. Yeah. So, but I was super happy. And, and so the guy is exactly like you'd imagine off stage that he's on stage. Very likable. Mm. Very friendly. Mm. Um, very approachable. It, he had like I guess the shorter rider ever. He had like water on his list, so <laughs> the back backstage was very calm and quiet. Yeah. And so we, I got there in advance to prepare my gig because I had to do 20 minutes in English, but it was a bit longer than what I used to do in English. So I was like, oh shit! And plus it's Alan Carr and plus it's folk theater. Yeah. But he was like super chill, like super ready. He was like, this dress looks nice on you. So it was funny because he was like watching me, super concentrated on my jokes. Pretty unsure why he was so chill. Nice. And the show was amazing, but I guess he's, he's well rehearsed and super professional. Yeah. But he's a very friendly guy. Wow, that yes. sounds like a fan, like the best experience yeah, you could have hoped exactly. for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and were you very nervous? Yes, plus I was a bit starstruck on him, so I was yeah. like, it feels a bit unreal somehow. Mm. Uh, but he's very, um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's very friendly. So, and um, it's I had a big venue earlier this year at Uschlu uh, Concertus. Yeah. And this is also, you know, like 1,200 person, I guess. And it, at that time, I was not super comfortable with the crowd working part. Mm. Though when you are the warm-up part of the show, you should be able to somehow crowd, crowd work a bit to make yeah. the, the audience comfortable. But this time, I dared to ask like very generic questions. Is there any Norwegians in the room? Actually, the most of the audience was Norwegian, I guess. Yeah. Uh, how many other nationalities do we have? Blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I, I was happy that I dared a bit more To open up to the audience, just not concentrate on my texts hidden yeah. back the microphone. Yeah, because if w so, you how did how did it go down? Did they uh, you were the first person on stage? Exactly. And there was a voiceover that said he, he voiced me over. Oh, nice! That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. Wow. <laughs> he was like, "I'm lo I love her." Well, we met one hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> But he's so nice. I love her, and you're gonna love her too. Wow. So it, w it was very nice. But then I, so I started and asked because he was also, he's, he's a very cool guy. He, he seemed to be both humble and happily surprised about how big the news he is able to feel mm. in countries he had no idea even he was famous. Yeah. He told me this hilarious story about the fact that he was in, in Athens, in Greece, yeah. like filling up like 1,200 um, um, seats venues. And he himself was like, Jesus, <laughs> I'm famous here. That's very strange. Wow. So he's a very humble guy. So it was fun. Yeah. Okay. And he's actually he's actually driving people in in stand up, which are a bit older than what we usually see in these clubs uh, that uh, you and me and a lot of other comedians are used to in Oslo. Yeah. It was like people about the age of my parents, mm. 50, 60, 60 plus. Okay. Having good fun. So that was cool. That yeah. was actually pretty cool. That it was a bit of everything. Yeah. Compared to the average age that you could see on more like classical stand-up venues in Oslo. Yeah, because I mean, we do shows together where like maybe sometimes the average age of the audience might be like 22 or 23. Yeah, exactly. Or like 25. Super young. Really young. 
but I, I love the mixed audiences. Yeah. I love them. I love it when it's mixed ages, yes. mixed, mixed genders, genders yes. m- and mixed cultures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was one of a big mix. It was very cool. Well, was, um, I'm happy. And uh, what was the gig that you did at Oslo Concert Tours then? It was to, to warm up for Teddy, yes, Pushin. Yeah. He has... Um, oh, sorry. Did you hear that? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it I think we're good. Okay. He has a show called Absolut Norsk. Yeah. And so, which is a lot of jokes regarding the fact that Norway is very proud about being the world's best country in this and that. And a lot of things are very random to be the world's best country on. Yeah. And so I guess my text is often a bit, a bit like yours regarding the Norwegian culture as such. Mm. It was a perfect spot on regarding what the topics he takes up in his show. Ah, so it was a good mix with you two then exactly. as well because you have a, you know, a, a, an angle or an approach to Norwegian culture which is different. Of course, but still yeah, related. But and still he, he, uh, yeah. he, def- he explicitly uh, ordered the part of the text he knows that would match... Yeah. Um, what he would would t- talk about uh, afterwards. He's a super nice guy. Terrier is a yeah. I met him once actually. Yeah, yeah he was. Co- was I think it was a corporate gig. Really? He, yeah, f- a long time ago. Before I started doing stand up. Oh, cool. And he killed it. Yeah, that I'm not surprised. Absolutely killed it. Really? I think we were like in the middle of nowhere with like a bunch of corporate some company, and he just murdered on stage. He's, uh, he's, he's uh, yeah. I'm super. I'm I'm full of admiration for him because he's such the kind of sympathetic guy yeah. you like him after two seconds yeah. then you start laughing when he starts acting yeah. it's very also his body language is amazing yeah so the way he owns the stage is uh, I admire that very much well, I, very I, well. I think you're also somebody who the audience likes after two <laughs> seconds do you know what I mean like when like I, I, I seen you perform twice recently and the first time that I saw recently was at where were you Josefinas yes and I think like it was the end of the night you were headlining and you just went on stage and just lit the room up and you were talking to people and like a lot of crowd work. And then I was, you know, and I think I told you, I took photos of every other comedian when they were performing and posted it online. But then when you were performing, I forgot to get my phone out just because I was so engaged. That's cool. Yeah. But I think, I mean, you're, you're like, you're the same person on stage as off stage. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I am. It's a good question, though, Inya. It Thank makes you. me think a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, well, um, so obviously my texts are based on my life and on true um, stories. But Thank you. Uh, they are not fully true. No. They are, of course, exaggerated. So that's a part of the answer, although it's not who I am. It's just, yeah, what's my story. Mm. And second of all, I guess I am a bit more... Um, the colors are much exaggerated to compared to who I am actually. Yeah, I'm uh, a bit more quiet, I'd say, in the real life than on stage. Really? I, I the, the, the being on stage pumps me like it's a kind of a yeah. adrenaline energy that yeah um, makes me super happy. But that's not that's not the level of energy I, I no. am in the rest of life. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way as well. I'll I'll save a lot of things for the stage. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? No, I don't like exactly if, if I'm hanging out with friends. I don't need to be like entertaining them the whole time. No, and exactly. throwing it. Sometimes it's like that, but I like uh, you know like before I'm going on stage, I'm the most boring person you'll ever meet. You know, I <laughs> I don't believe yeah, you. that. No, I don't believe, it, but perhaps it, more quiet. It, I'm just sitting there, like just chilling. People are always like, "Are you okay? Are you tired?" I'm like, "No, man, just chilling." <laughs> You know what I mean? Because then when I'm going on stage, depending on the room, I'm like, let's go. We're, we are going for it. That's cool. Yeah. So I don't want to like, you know, burn through no, the no. stage energy. No. Just like, you know, talking shit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, exactly. Then I, I recognize myself there. And also I, I think um, I have also anxieties about like, for example, my children. Do I do the right things? And then I think it's very good fun to use it in comedy to also 
uh, expose all the funny things that is to raise children. But mm. these, th I, in the real life, I have true questions in my head regarding do I mind doing the right thing or regarding work or regarding family. But then it gets me inspiration to make fun about yeah. this in real life. But yeah. So yeah, that's the difference. It, it is fun making fun of the kids. Yeah, and making fun of what was actually... Uh, takes room in your heart or in your head yeah. trying to see the positive or the funny part of it yeah yes because i usually joke for example that oh i have three children and uh, i have to stop because i don't have room in my car but my children <laughs> are very close <laughs> and it was actually sometimes very a bumpy road emotionally and physically to have three close children so it's it has been great but it's been tough yeah. very tough yeah I have had postpartum depression, and so I think it's fun to just okay try to tweak it in a funny way on stage so that people between the lines can read. Well, that must have been a, an intense period of life, and then you can make make funny jokes about it. I think it's very refreshing. I think it's I think it's healthy too. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you have, I mean, if you went through something like a postnatal depression, yeah, like that's a kind of serious thing to go through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So that if you can go on stage, you know, and talk about it and make fun about it and yeah. make people laugh about it. Like, I think it's got to do something cathartic for you as well. Exactly. Like, it's, I mean, like a kind of healing in a way, maybe. Yeah. Do you do that yeah. yourself? Sometimes, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have a great example about this. I actually, uh, was a, in Easter, I had heart problems. Okay. I, I, I felt like I had heart problems. I was like, oh my God, my heart, my chest hurts. My chest, my chest hurts. And my girlfriend's a nurse and she's like, we're calling the ambulance. I was like, oh, I don't think you need to. They're on their way. And I had an ambulance in my fucking bedroom like 10 minutes later. Okay. And they put the EKG on me and they go, we got to take you to hospital. And I went down to hospital and then I had to stay in hospital for all day and they were monitoring me and doing all these different checks. And then I was just lying in this hospital room by myself. And my girlfriend came and picked me up and then we drove past Lincoln and I go, oh, they're doing comedy there. Can you drop me off? I'm going to go in and see if I can do a spot. And then I, I went in and I just talked about the experience that I had. And, you know, like, you know, like how, because I was a bit scared, you know, during that day. Of course, I can't yeah. hardly imagine. But that's cool that you right away. Right away. And it, it wasn't anything prepared. It was just like, this is this what is happened to me today, yeah, exactly. guys. Can that's you fucking cool. believe it? Like, I thought that maybe I was having a heart attack. And now here I am fucking drinking beers with you <laughs> savages. You know what I mean? So <laughs> for, for me, it was cleansing. My girlfriend's like, I think you should just go home and rest. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm celebrating life. Because eight hours ago, I thought maybe this could be, you know, some yeah, no, fucking course, huge yeah. problem. And I got like... Uh, all green light go and i just felt wow so refreshed cool. so what happened to your heart did that i know nothing happened to my heart i just had pain in my chest but i think it had a, might i was like maybe doing a lot of push-ups or something <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like i think it was I, i'm not sure but my father died of a heart attack okay so obviously so there's some genetic th i'll probably die of a heart attack eventually so okay. I, I guess right isn't doesn't that how it works like i don't know i think okay, like i think it's any I think it's something that you have to take into consideration, okay. right? Like a genetic heart defect. Yeah, yeah. I'm not okay. saying I have one of those things, but because I because my my, my dad died, my girlfriend's like hyper vigilant. Yeah, like, of course. Okay, look, and she's a nurse. And she's a nurse. That's very sexy. How did you met? Uh, we met on Tinder in Norway. Yeah, is she Norwegian? She's Norwegian. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't come for love. You came to Norway for other reasons? I actually was dating a Swedish girl <laughs> and we lived together and she was living in Oslo. Ah, and then okay. and then I was an exchange student. Okay. So I couldn't get into Sweden because I wasn't a very good exchange student. But in Oslo, they'll take anybody. <laughs> so then I came here. So it was kind of for love and then kind of for studying. So you came from 
Sydney. So you came from Australia to Scandinavia in the state, basically. Yeah, basically. Well, we, I, I loved it here. Yeah. So it didn't work out with the Swedish girl. She like, she fucked another dude within the first week. Oh, I know. That's what refreshing. What, isn't it? I'm like, I'm glad I found that one so out early. Yeah, very <laughs> uh, And uh, then I had a very good life with all the other students and I was studying and I had a lot going on. I was like, and then when my year came to an end, I was like, I don't think I want to go home. No. I'm going to stay and see if I can extend my program. And then I could, and then I got some other chick pregnant and now I've got two kids and a dog. <laughs> yeah. That's a short summary of a really yeah, nice story. That's it. That's it. It's a uh, short summary of a nice story. Yeah. But mm. That's the same chick? No. The nurse? No, no, no. That's another one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, I have two yeah. kids with two different women. Okay. Yeah. And a dog with a third woman. And it's all <laughs> <laughs> And a dog. An English bulldog. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I'll probably end up having another kid with this chick too. <laughs> Isn't that? <laughs> so you will have your three children you too. Yeah. I'm going to need a bigger car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Why did you come to Norway? Love. I met a, um, I met a Norwegian when I was studying in Germany. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. You, yeah, no, no. Um, when I moved to Germany, I thought, okay, I'll stay here. I got a job. I married a German guy. But then I didn't fall in love with the German culture. No. I loved the language. Yeah. I think it was a very interesting one. Yeah. I was very nerd with the German language when I came to Germany. But then the whole uh, daily life was very strict and very A4 and very German. Yeah, I guess. Too you. German for me. Yeah. And then I met this very refreshing Norwegian guy, very, very funny. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, I moved back to Paris, finished my studies, and then moved to Oslo in 2010. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. So you've been here for a while. I've been here for a while, yes. Yeah, nice. And, and you, how, how long have you been in Norway now? Oh, 14 years. 14? Yeah. Yeah, but that's also why. It's a long uh, time. Uh, I don't feel Norwegian though. No, you don't. Do you? No, it's strange. Sometimes I do feel very Norwegian when I'm in Paris. Yeah. Suddenly I feel like I'm disconnected from some discussions with my old childhood friends or some behaviors I can observe in streets or restaurants or like wow i i feel kind of a foreigner yeah so I, like the norwegian way of being has kind of impacted me mm. like when i see people uh, fighting in the metro i'm like oh jesus i became very like anti-conflict norwegian style like, yeah oh. yeah but uh but on the other side i will never be fully norwegian either you know you don't and i'm i'm super proud of being french speaking french for my children and mm. making french food at home and so well we try to, to be able both cultures and the yeah. one roof. It's like the question of integration is it like it's a kind of tricky one. You it know? is, yeah. I Be agree. Because like, uh, let's say your culture and my culture and the Norwegian culture, even though there are differences, they're pretty similar. Yes. Like it's based on Western values, and exactly. you know we have yeah. s similar values and things like that. But like, I can understand how people who come from the Middle East or from Asia or even from Africa with completely, uh, you know, like a completely different kind of culture yeah. would struggle yeah, yeah of course i mean because I, I struggle yeah yeah of course yeah, I agree yeah. With that. so it's like you know you, it's like what do you do do you know what i mean how do you get somebody to be more integrated and it seems like you have to learn the language i i i, I think it's difficult to be integrated into a culture without learning the language yes, I agree. and then once you learn the language it seems like you can see things through the perspective of that culture via the language but you still always have this filter inside of you which you grew up with which makes you not like mm. certain things or mm. like certain other things in a, in a different way you know i fully agree and when i think the ugly truth and it's the case for norway and it's the case for france and probably australia is that people don't have the same openness 
if you come to a Western country, to their country, whereas if you come to Africa or Asia, or they might have been... For example, the fact that I speak my own language to my children is like, wow, they can speak French. I'm not sure if the reaction would have been so enthusiastic. It would have been a very uh, different language from another part of the world. Yeah. You see what I mean? When you're yeah. French and you come with this French background or Australian one, people tend to have a very positive association to it, mm. at least in Norway. Yeah. But so that I think it's it's uh, it's unfair a bit. Yeah. Uh, how proud or how how much you can actually uh, carry your own culture further to your children without being ashamed or without having to, yeah, hide it a bit. My my father grew up from Italian parents. Yeah. In France, he doesn't speak Italian because they spoke French to him. Ah, because so he at lost that time, it. Italian was like, oh, they do a lot of noise. Yeah. They do a lot of children. They're poor. There's a lot of criminality in Italian neighborhoods in France. So they were trying to hide and, and minimize as much as possible the Italian heritage for that him to be um, well integrated at school and seen as a good pupil and so on. Oh, okay. So, so my father is 100% Italian, but he doesn't speak a word of Italian exactly wow. because his parents at their time were not super comfortable of being fully Italians immigrated to France. I got you. So then they went the other direction. They yes. went like super, which you're going to be super in French. Yes. Yeah, and okay. I think it's, it's difficult. And I also have another example, which is interesting. My sister moved to the U.S., and she doesn't speak French to her children, mm. probably because she doesn't see the absolute need of them being able to speak French in a country where they will, they they were born and they will grow up and stay. Yeah. Um, they speak very good uh, English and and Spanish. Okay. Um, yeah, well, because the, hus the, the father, the, my sister's husband, is from Central America. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's very strange how much where you, where you put the line in between doing things that are very local versus. Being mm. true to your family, your culture, your heritage. It's difficult. It is difficult. My father was Maori okay, from yeah. New Zealand. Yes. And it's a very small population. It is. And he grew up speaking Maori. Okay. And then we learned Maori as you kids. Did. Yeah, we learned well, that's it. That's very cool. Yeah, but it was never a, a language that I was able to practice very much. No, okay. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like, I, it's like, okay, like I could. Who would you talk to with? Exactly. My mom didn't know Maori. Oh, my okay. dad knew Maori. Okay. And my uncles and my cousins knew Maori. And I would talk like a little bit of Maori here and there, but I never really nailed Even when I went to boarding school in New Zealand, we did like lessons in Maori and Maori language and stuff like that. But it's such a marginal, like it's, it's what, what, like, it seems like there's a lot of languages that are dying out. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, I don't think French is one of those languages, but. No, but there is so many people in the world speaking French. It's amazing. Like mm. uh, there is so many countries having French as, as official language. Yeah. It will not die out, but we have regional languages that have tr struggled in France. Oh yeah. Because Napoleon at, at his time was saying everybody speaks French. Now we, we kept the crap with all these local languages. But then suddenly in the 60s, in the 70s and the 80s, some p some schools that in France in different parts, like Brittany, Pays Basque, Cor Corsica, yeah. suddenly restarted to re-teach these local languages, which are not French, but which were also considered as um, not as holistic as the, the pure French language. Are they similar to French? No. So you can't have a conversation with somebody from Brittany or Corsica? Or no. Brittany is a Celtic language. Same really? than the Irish stuff, which is very different to French. Ah. And now in 2022, if you go to Brittany in France, you can put the radio in this language. Yeah. You wouldn't understand a word. Mm. But they have like managed to rebuild this kind of local proudness of, of cultural inheritance that has been some, some partially uh, also uh, yeah. put aside uh, during centuries before. Wow. And that was because of Napoleon. Yeah, he was the one saying we have to centralize, we have to standardize. He, he did a lot of good things, though. But the, on this one, it's... Um, so that's that the fact that French people now associate the way that you speak properly French to your level of education, 
for me, it was very surprising to see in Norway that you can be the prime minister and having an enormous dialect from Bergen mm. was very different from what I was used to. Oh, wow. So all the elite in France speaks this perfect Parisian French. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's different, so I guess. What else did Napoleon do? <laughs> well, he had this uh, uh, low code where he was not a very... Uh, willing to have gender equality no. so in france for example is i guess it's just recently been um, stopped but you couldn't as a woman actually in theory go with with jeans or pants you had to go with sh shorts or, or sh yeah skirts. Uh, sc really shit or dress damn um, yeah that's a dumb uh, rule he has also he has also contributed a lot with big uh, infrastructures roads bridges yeah uh, he was a clever guy well he, he put uh, europe uh, upside down with wars yeah, because he was in a lot of wars. Th that's a that's the Napoleonic the wars, yes, right? Yeah. The fact that Norway became a part of Sweden is because of Napoleon. Really? Because yes, because the Hill, uh, the Kiel uh, Treaty. I'm sorry, I don't know how to speak that in English, but uh, yeah, yeah. when uh, uh, Norway was a part of Denmark, and yeah. then because of the Napoleon War, Norway was given as a as a part of the compensation to the Swedish. Because Napoleon lost war at that point. Oh, wow. So my Norwegian boyfriend, the first thing he said when we date was like, my fucking country was part of fucking Sweden for 100 years because of fucking Napoleon. Holy shit. He was shit. like, we have to talk about this. Damn. So Napoleon kind of redrew the map. Yeah, yeah. Damn. And Holy he lost a lot of war, but when you're French at school, you only learn what he wins. Yes. <laughs> so Austerlitz. But then when you were start trying to travel the world and you realize it's Waterloo, <laughs> for yeah, example. Yeah, that like, he, oh. did he win or lose at Waterloo? He lose at Waterloo. Is that where he died? Uh, no. no, he died okay. uh, in exile because he was sent away on an island. That's right. <laughs> they sent him away <laughs> in exile. <laughs> Holy shit. Who sent him? The English? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're like, we got to get this motherfucker. He's too much of a problem. <laughs> he was from Corsica. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, but the... <laughs> Uh, the fact that you have this train between Paris and London called uh, Eurostar. Yeah. In French, Eurostar. Yeah, beautiful. And <laughs> and it was funny because for years it uh, it had arrived at the at a Waterloo station. Mm. And it was in a, each time I traveled there, I was like, is it a fucking offense from British to French people like making us arrive at Waterloo station? Like, friendly reminder, you lost, yeah. losers. Because <laughs> <laughs> is that where Napoleon fought at Waterloo in England? Is that where the war was? I, I'm not sure, but I just find it funny that the name of the station yeah. where all the French people, like, just centuries later, arrived. The first thing they hear yeah. about London is Waterloo. <laughs> 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 but French and English people have a long story of hating each other. They hate each other. Of course. They hate but each I other. guess the whole world hates French people. Yeah, why is that? <laughs> Are you guys just <laughs> assholes? Sure, yeah. the f you have a reputation yeah, of being so fucking sweet. assholes. Yeah. yeah. But when I was in Paris, everybody was very nice to me. Yeah, well, but we're nice, know. actually. Yeah. I, I wonder. I wonder why. Like, because another reputation that the French have is that they're very arrogant. Yeah, the that's true. The French, like, eh, we, we, we. that's true. They're very like what they call in Norwegian "besserviset." Mm. Like you know everything better than the others. They explain to you how it is. It's very annoying. Yeah. And I I, re I realized that because on the other hand, Scandinavians can be very modest. Mm. Well, there is always contradictory when you see how competitive they get at sports for example mm. but they still have this very attitude of being very modest at least norwegians are very like low profile and sometimes i realize that french people don't even realize how arrogant they they seem when they arrive in norway explaining oh in france it's like this in france it's like this. they were like very teaching people it's oh. very annoying yeah that's fucking annoying yeah. as shit imagine if you invite somebody over to your house yeah, exactly. and you're cooking dinner they're like no this is how you should chop yeah, the onions yeah no, that's, that's typically french huh. yes wow but and you're not like that 
Are you? I, 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 guess, no, I guess I became very Norwegian on that one. So I'm, I'm the one being annoyed, being like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but what about Australian? People love them, right? Yeah, Australians are pretty relaxed. Yes, and I, I never heard anything negative about Australian people. <sighs> no, Australians, like the population, generally, it's, they're kind of cool. Generally, okay. you know what I mean? Everybody's very friendly and very open and it's a very nice society and you make friends pretty easily. Okay. You know, is it true friends or is it like American friends that are very nah, superficial? I mean, it, like it starts off as like, let's just say I met you and we talked for like 20 minutes or something. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm having a barbecue. You want to bring the kids, whatever. Meet up with my, I don't know you that well, but then you come and we get to know each other over That's time. Cool. And, you know, maybe we form a friendship and then it becomes true friends. Yeah. Okay. But it, I, know cool. what, I know what you're talking about, like with America because it, you don't always know where you're standing with somebody because they're just like super, super friendly no, exactly. like that exactly. hello exactly. fantastic to see you exactly amazing exactly and, and you're like what that's not how people talk in real life you know, no, exactly. what are you doing yeah you don't it, even know me mm. yeah do you, you must go to america a lot though if your sister lives there exactly and sometimes it's very confusing on exactly what you describe this attitude of being very all over the top yeah and uh, and then you you it's hard to scrap and think, okay, what is it inside? Is it true friendships or is it just politeness, you see? Yeah, I, I have a bit of a different view of Americans because I know a lot of Americans through jiu-jitsu. Ah, you do jiu-jitsu? Yeah, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, that's so cool. It's very cool. So I go to a lot of jiu-jitsu training okay. camps and I meet up a lot of Americans there. And they are, I mean, almost all of them I've met have been very cool and very open and very friendly. But we've been living together for a week as well. Do you know what I mean? So yes. that kind of, I'm very rarely in America, mm. like just mm. meeting mm. random people on the street. It's often through a particular passion that we both share. Okay. Like, like say like you and me, for example, like if I'd never met you before, I'd never seen you doing stand up or anything like that. And I just met you and I go, what do you do? You go, I do comedy. Go, oh my, I do comedy. We'd automatically have a common passion point mm. to discuss and if you're doing comedy, even though you're completely different from me, we still have a similarity exactly. that unites us. So that's basically been the extent of my friendships with people from America. Okay. So it's al always been based around something that we both love. Which is nice. It's really nice. Yeah. You know, when you can meet somebody that has a passion for the same thing that you do, you just click. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. Do you have a lot of comedian friends? I do. Well, I do. Um, I've been in the in the stand up uh, for ten years, and I have two friends. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I have I have uh, very close friends from stand up. Uh, most women, mm. uh, I guess, for um, both because it's just like how the chemistry happened, but also because I guess when I started, it's a bit better now. But it was very few women, so we tend to very like stick together. Yeah. Uh, and now I actually having a lot of uh, also free time with uh, comedians, both to write text, but also just to hang out, which is very nice. Oh, so you're meeting up with them on the side from performing as well. Often yeah, yeah. Then. I usually, anyway, um, I'm, I, I see an enormous value of exchanging ideas regarding text writing, yeah, comedy yeah. writing. Yeah. When you, when, you, when you meet up with your friends to exchange ideas for text, how do you normally do that? Well, we do around around the table. Oh. So the one was like, I have three things. Can you just help me on these three things? Yeah. The first thing is blah 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 blah, and I don't want, I don't know how to crack that nut. And suddenly we say, if you say this one, just before you say that, mm. then suddenly we are with you on the premise of the joke, and then it gets very funny because blah blah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So, uh, so you like come with ideas. Yeah. So you turn up to the meeting or to the hangout or with like bullet points on the page, and then yeah, okay. and then you get help on making it good comedy texts and do you do it in a structured way where you say like okay now we'll work on what you want to work yes. on and then we'll move around the yes. table yes. ah it's that's usually good uh, try you try to respect the 
time split because one of the one of the typical uh, mistake that suddenly we use all the time with the first one and yeah. then the three others have set and then they left without any help on their text yeah so we try to be like okay let's let's have like half an hour per person or 15 minutes yeah sometimes it's enough yeah i think so it is good i think like oh uh, we've done it before as well with some friends we'll be like okay 15 15 cool. we got an hour an hour and 20 we'll talk bullshit for a while and then afterwards but in the middle it's like okay you got 15 look, we're all focusing on you yeah. three four people yeah. what do you need help with yeah. But it's uh, it is true how many different angles you can see something from when you're sitting around with other people just trying to help what you're working on get better. Yeah. And it's amazing. And somebody will say something like, "I never would have thought of that." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or some somebody would say, "Oh, when you say that, it reminds me of this and that." And then uh, you have to filter also. At the beginning, when I was a new beginner, I was taking all the ideas, and suddenly I was having texts that are not fully me. Mm. Now I'm like, okay, yeah, I see, but I will have to put it on my universe so that it gets somehow consistent with the type of humor i usually have yeah mm. yeah you have to do that I, I get a lot of suggestions from people and sometimes i'll be like yep yeah, i can take that mm. and then you have to just no, digest I and I don't, know that's I don't think me. i'm gonna but last time i saw you you were on fire i laughed so <laughs> much <laughs> Thank this, you. this kind of because i think it's so relatable this kind of contrast of the person you are in your mother tongue yeah and the one you sometimes happen to be in a foreign language mm. it's, it's hilarious yeah it it's is hilarious especially the way you do the norwegian very like cute and simple like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. it was very very funny yeah it, it was a good night it was a good night and i think i've kind of cracked the code for my style yeah you know I, i'll do norwegian english norwegian oh, and go great. backwards and forwards yeah, yeah, and i love it i love doing it like that and i'll do the premise in uh, english and then the punchline in norwegian and then sometimes <laughs> i'll switch that up because you know when i was learning norwegian i was very self-conscious and my friends were making fun of me all the time you know you sound like you're from pakistan you sound <laughs> like and i was like oh my god do i sound like i'm like not a do i sound terrible when i talk and then i realized oh i just talk in a funny way and when you're doing comedy it's like i'm gonna use that of course i'm gonna it's, thank it's you perfect. It's, it's a tool yeah. and i love your joke regarding the fact that you didn't get through your personality when you talk in another language yeah and then you have this joke regarding that in fact you're an asshole yeah i love it <laughs> yeah I think it, it's, very funny. it's good and there is an element of truth to it you know when you're learning another language it's like you're kind of limited with how you can express your personality and you can sound very cute and nice and then when you're like fully you okay <laughs> now we understand this guy's a fucking asshole so uh yeah it's 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 a good concept but you know one of the things that you inspired me to do actually i saw your set at Josefinas, and you're a foreigner i'm a foreigner and you did your entire set in norwegian and i was like huh that i'm you know i gotta i gotta start doing more and more comedy in norwegian because you killed it in norwegian and it's your i don't know second or third language and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, and then after I watched you, I was like, I'm gonna do all Norwegian sets, and I did a few all Norwegian sets, and uh, how did it go? It, it went great. Yeah, it went really good. the The first time I did, I just did five minutes. I was like, okay, this is just from beginning to the end, all text memorized in Norwegian, and it went really well. And then oh. I did, I did that a bunch, and then I mixed in the English for like longer sets. But one of the things that I thought about you was when you were doing everything in Norwegian, it made me think like. If I wanted to level up and perform, say, for example, at Lattet, maybe I need to be able to do an entire set in Norwegian. Yes, the thing is, well, the thing is, and you know that Norwegians are super good at English mm. and your English is very easy to understand. So you are fully safe regarding the fact that people would get what you say anyway. Mm. So it's a bit up to you. I, I don't know, but it's a bit up to you to choose. Well, the thing is, no one speaks French. In, you know, I cannot do comedy in French. No. I would be very alone. Yeah. But what I've learned with the time is that I felt 
uh, at the beginning when I started comedy, very stuck in this little base of things that I could actually say and all the rest of the colors that I wanted to do, what I would have said in French, I couldn't because I was not comfortable enough with the type of humor, the timing of a joke in Norwegian and the words and the vocabulary. What I know do with that, I, I, of course, I got better, but I also got better at owning this, owning the fact that you're a bit weird mm. and that you say words in a very weird way sometimes. Sometimes I was, first, uh, when I started, I was terrified when the audience laughed and I didn't get what I was saying. And then, but now I'm owning it and say, okay, what did I say now? Just tell me, please. Don't <laughs> make fun of me now. Just, and I, it makes me more comfortable and it makes, m it makes the audience more comfortable to laugh at me too, yeah. with me. Yeah. With at the beginning, it was a bit like, well, that's a bit embarrassing. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, well, all in. Yes. You don't understand what I'm saying? I don't either. Just let's get friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, because what you do a lot from what I've seen is you're, you're doing a lot of like text, a lot of jokes, but you're also talking to the crowd a lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. A lot. Because I have this impro background. I, I did I did impro for many years, ah. improvisation theater, which I loved. And when I came to Norway, I thought I should do impro. But well, when you don't speak well a language, good luck on this one. Yeah. When it's all about like building stories together, like sometimes building stories and even watching each other and just thinking, oh, it, or playing on accents or voices or a type of words, super hard in a, in a language you don't behave well. Yeah. So that's why I um, I, I switched into stand up, which I love too. But this ba impro background is still in my in my backpack when i'm on stage yeah okay so the impro training and the impro experience comes it. alive yes. yeah wow yeah that's good i i did i did impro as well you did yeah i love it i love it uh, and i was in the same when i came to know i actually started doing improv and i felt the same thing i was yeah. like i can't do this but now they have improv in english yeah yes yeah, yeah. I, I went to chateau Neuf. oh that's so cool yeah when i did it in norwegian which was i was terrible and then they opened up uh, Nerf International or Improv International. And then it's just amazing. I was like, and it, it felt like, because I did it in Australia as well. And then when I could do it again in Norwegian, it was great. That's why I actually, I met Lieben, uh, who does yeah. improv. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we, we met there. But I, I, I love that style where you're just like, you know, sometimes like when you're just sticking to text, 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 and the audience knows it's text, 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 it's not as engaging. No, it's true. Yeah. And then when you're like talking to them and like you're referring to things that you said and, you know, pointing out something that you see, they go, oh, this is a living thing that's happening right yes. now. This isn't just like some script that somebody's memorized. I agree. Well, the thing is, um, the, the disadvantage of my study is that there's a lot of words that mm. could be shortened to make the, the text sometimes a bit tighter. Yeah. I tend to, because of the fact that I improvise a bit, because of the fact that I never write on the paper the exact text I will say, but just like bullet points of jokes, Yeah. sometimes it gets too, uh, too chatty and mm. I should cut a bit to make it more clean. Yeah. Um, but that's also who I am. That's also how I am. So I guess, well, that's the... And I also realized that a lot of French humorists have a lot of words before the first laugh. Okay. So I was like, ah, that's perhaps because I'm French. Too, yeah. That I have this very like chatty style. Yeah. Do you have uh, jokes per minute or uh, <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. uh, let's say you're doing a 15 minute set. Do you have like a certain amount of laughs that you want to try to get out per minute or two minutes or something like that? I never reflected on this, but I got once uh, in two different situations, very good re uh, recall. The first one was at a clown school i went to a clown school in france like years ago and and the clown teacher <laughs> it sounds strange but it's actually it's actually a job to be a teacher for clowns yeah it was very cool um, um, workshop but he said you have 30 to 30 seconds to one minute max to get the audience uh, confidence and trust yeah 
So you have to be. Oh no! Sorry, I s- sorry. That was the alarm for three thirty. Okay. But, but I set it at two thirty. <laughs> okay. I'm so stupid. Sorry. No, keep, keep going. Keep going. You have you have like thirty minutes to get the audience to love you. Thirty yeah. seconds. Sorry. So th- one of the first requests I have is that try to have a good punchline quickly. Yeah. So you want to start off strong off the bat. Yes. Yeah. Not not wait and wait and wait and wait before something gets funny. Just w- or just being super friendly and confident. Yeah, because then sometimes you've got to decide whether you want to talk to them, or whether you want to start with a joke. I agree. Yeah. If you emceeing, you have to be comfortable in the fact that you're not supposed to be the friendliest this night. Yeah. You just have to be the friend of the audience. Mm. So be welcoming. Pernille is very good at this. For example, if you go to English uh, Joke Factory, very good. She's the one like, are we ready for the weekend? Do we have a beer? There's nothing hilarious, but she's so friendly, mm. and the audience be, is happy. Yeah, you know, and uh, that that's a very good way. I think she warms up, and then she can go into hard jokes. Yeah, but as an MC, you don't have to be like Jack. Whereas as a comedian, sometimes it's it's smart to have something to say right away, which is funny mm. to make the audience show. Okay, I have this under control. We can relax. Yeah, and the second the request I have is that if you put your your text in. In bullet points, you have to check somehow that there is not too many bullet points without any big reactions of the audience. Mm. Otherwise, perhaps you should remove things Yeah. Uh, to work with the tempo of your texts. I yeah. think that's also, it to make it visual. Sometimes it helps to say, oh, I have this and this and this. And then there is a long story where nothing reacts. Well, perhaps I have to shorten it a bit. Yeah. And if you're doing a long story with less reactions, do you plan then to make the reaction bigger? So yeah, that exactly. it's an investment. Or to pimp up the story with a different uh, punchline on the yeah. on the way, or to make the story shorter, depending on. How do you how do you come up with stories to tell? <gasps> and but make uh, them funny. I've always been like this since I'm I'm a child. I could have like tell the story. I yeah. So it's so just I, a natural. So I went going home and say, oh, this has happened at the bakery. Oh, and then I was like doing characters and imitation, and uh, and I, uh, it was on. Like, so that's that's my style. Yeah. So I sometimes it's very like uh, stupid things I've said or done, and then I build it. Mm. I build it, and then I, I'm like, oh, that would be funnier to say this, and then I will. So okay. I exaggerate a lot based yes. on true stories. Okay, so you can take something that happened to yes. you and go, "There's something here. Let that me work on it. Yes. Let me enhance yes. it. Let me yes. add some more yes. humor. I'm gonna try it out." And tonight. usually, I try to make fun of myself. Yeah. Even though I exaggerate all the characters and. Uh, yeah. Yes. How much fun do you make of yourself? Like it's uh, a hard question. Yeah, and let me let me put it in an, in a, in another way as well. Uh, do you think that like you make fun of yourself at the beginning of a set and then it's a technique? for the audience to, I don't know, like see that you don't take yourself so seriously and they open up to you and like you more? Say for example, if you're like if you're in the beginning, if you're making fun of yourself, maybe they might like you more yeah. in, instead of in exactly. the beginning, I'm gonna make fun of Kanye West or something. You know what I mean? Exactly, I know. Well, I'd say what you just said. For me, it's key that the audience likes you. Yes. You laugh with someone that you think is sympathetic. Mm. There is a lot of... There is a f- um, there is not much counterexample of this, and s- and after that, if you they like you, you can you can certainly uh, challenge a lot all the all the borders of what is okay to say or no because mm. you have them with you on your boat. Yeah. But they have to jump in your boat at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen like you know like very um, rude English comedians. They are hilarious. Like mm. if you take Jimmy Carr, he oh says a lot of of super and polite things. Yeah. But he's you still love him though yeah. you sometimes as a woman you're like i hate that guy no i love him yeah and it, it's very cool because he managed to put put everyone in his boat and then he 
he says a lot of things that are like, it's like perhaps not okay to start with. Yeah. But that's only they are hilarious in the middle of the show because yeah. because we are with him from day one. Yeah. Y- you've got that connection with him. Exactly. You trust him and so you I'd like him. I say that I will always. It's 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 hard to start on a on a cold set with something which is very provocative or can can create like certain reactions of uh, of. Um, yeah, yeah. Negative reactions because otherwise, it's after that, it's very hard to gain back the audience. Yeah, you got You got to get them wet before you stick it in. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bit of foreplay. Uh, sometimes I just say to the audience, "You look good." Uh, yeah. What about you? Oh my God! How many uh, hot people are there in this room? Or, mm. or yeah. I try to to never be like uh, over there's a date. Uh, I ask the lady. So on a scale from one to six, you know, the Norwegian turning costs. Yeah. And then usually they would look at each other on a feminist ex with oh applause. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a good start. Blah blah blah. Yeah. I try to be very friendly so that the audience likes me and then I, I like them and then I'm not I'm not trying to make them uncomfortable. No. No, no, no. And I noticed that when you were doing the Josefina set because it kind of got a little bit late into the night as well. You know, we had like that was, <clears throat> that was the night where, you know, Bjorn Daniel went up on stage oh and yeah. every everything started a little bit later and yeah. things dragged on a little bit. And I, I think it must have been like if the show s- starts at eight, I, I think you maybe went on stage at like quarter past ten or something. Yes. And like, you know, the crowd had been sitting there for a couple of hours and they're they, tired. Yeah. They, and then you came on. And like it was just like you push the refresh button. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. giving everybody a ginger shot kind of thing. Yeah. Like, Woo, waking up, <laughs> let's nice. go. Yeah. But I saw you working it, and I saw and you like you know you like hey how are we doing everybody this hello what's your name and you you talked to them for a while and yeah. I was like yeah okay I feel good yeah. let's go and and like with with me I was like okay now I'm on your boat where are we going yeah exactly where, where, where's, where can, are you taking and this then boat you can you can take you can take the audience where you want yeah. Dude, it's an amazing art form. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. How long have you been doing stand-up? Four years. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's been four years with two pandemic years. <laughs> so I don't know how you want to count that. <laughs> yeah, you know. Fucking. But I was lucky during the pandemic because I did the... We had a, a, a summer tournée, you know. Yeah. We had like this... We did a trip around Norway and we that's did that so twice. Cool. With, yeah. with whom? Dude, I did it with Espen, um, Ulla Henrik... Felix, Talak. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so we were a gang of guys. And it was cool. It was really cool. So we did that in uh, 2020. And there was, you know, you remember 2020. There was fucking nothing happening. Exactly. Like everything shut down in March and then... And if they ha- if they happened to open, it was like 15 spots in the, in the room where yeah. it used to be 50. Do you remember like that? that? Yeah. And everybody has wearing masks and you couldn't... Sit sti- from each other yeah, away. you had to sit at a table and the drinks got all... Like they had to come up to you. It was not great for stand-up. Mm. So then I got through the pandemic mostly by doing the... I did every spot that I could get and there wasn't many. And then we organized, we like, well, we just have to create our own spots. And then we did this uh, summer trip, summer tour in 2020. And then we did it again last year. Yeah. And it was awesome. So, cool. yeah. And then, cool. and then when everything opened up again, I've been, you know, hitting it pretty hard to, you know, I try to do two, three spots every week. That's very cool. That's yeah. a lot. I think it's the minimum that you need to do. Yeah. At least for, better, in, yeah. From, 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 my, yeah. from my position. So what, yeah. you do jujitsu and stand up? Yeah. And podcasting. And podcasting. Yeah. And I make videos and do photos. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's very cool. It's all the shit that I like. And that's what you studied? No. I studied philosophy and literature. You did? Yeah. And you say that now? Yeah. Did it's you? It's amazing. What did you, did you I didn't, but I love literature and philosophy. That's yeah, so cool. Me too. It's what I'm good at. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Well, what, you didn't want to be a teacher or you didn't want to... No, my mom was a teacher. She was? Okay. Yeah, so she, she taught uh, high school students at a okay. Catholic boys' school okay. and she had a very hard life. Okay. You know what I mean? Like always having to do homework late at night and didn't get much money and no, exactly. always struggling and I was like, fuck that. Yeah. And I had a lot of bad teachers when I was in school too. Okay. So I was like, I don't never want to be a teacher. No. But I, I just gravitated towards literature and philosophy because I was fascinated by them. Yeah. And, you know, this was fucking 20 something years ago, whatever. So I was, uh, there was no phones or no, no, no YouTube. I rate. remember that time too. Right. So <laughs> what did you have? You know, you were renting a DVD or yeah. you were reading books. And uh, I was just like fascinated by the way that you could tell a story on, uh, on paper and it would be so strong in your mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could enjoy movies, but it was nothing like reading a book. No, no, exactly. And uh, then I, I, I actually, I wanted to be a diplomat. So I, yeah, I studied international relations. At the same time, I was all studying literature in my bachelor degree, and I got like 55% in international relations, and I got like 98% in literature. That's amazing. Yeah, and I was like, all right, just go where you're good. Exactly. So I always just, I always, you know, and then, and then I discovered philosophy in my second year and I just fell in love with it, you know, and I studied the philosophy of aesthetics as well, like okay. the philosophy of art, what makes art good, what, you know, is, is art with a negative moral message okay. still good art, even though the, the message is bad. Yes. So, you know, like um, Nazi architecture or films by, you know, like Nazi propaganda, like Leni Riefenstein or whatever she's mm. called. She made like great films but they're considered bad by some people because of the messaging, mm -hmm. even though the cinematography and everything was beautiful. So I was always kind of like fascinated by the different approaches that philosophical perspectives could create on, on how you see the world. Yes. Yeah. And obviously like, sorry to go on about this. No, it's super interesting. I, I think so. Like um, philosophy shapes a lot of morals and what we consider right and wrong. And as you can see now in like the current political climate, that definition of what is right and what is wrong is constantly changing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you can have a look at say like what's happening in America with abortions. You know what I mean? Like the Supreme Court or somebody have decided that it's wrong to get an abortion. You know what I mean? And that's a philosophical perspective. And a lot of people disagree with it. And religious. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And religion is basically philosophy. No, it is exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm reading now? I'm reading the book of Justin Gorda. Okay. The World of Sophie or Sophie's World. I don't know how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great book. Yeah, I don't know how much um, times I thought I need to read this book. Now that I plus became a Norwegian citizen, I need to. I would like to have read the biggest authors, Norwegian authors. I read it in French, though. Mm -hmm. I read much quicker in my mother tongue. But it's, it's very interesting and it reminds me of this because it's a bit of the first step into philosophy for teenagers. Yes. But it's a very good book. And actually this, this mix between religion and philosophy is very well explained by... So you, you're reading that now? Yeah. Ah, I have it yeah. in my bag just outside the door. Wow. True. Yeah, I read that 20 years ago. Yeah, I know. I'm not too early with this one. No, but I remember... I, I don't remember too much of the actual book, but I remember that what it did is it gave you a very good insight into a lot of philosophers. Exactly. Well, that basically that's their history of uh, big thinking uh, mm. currents and big... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think from antiquity to I guess, and I think that's really important to understand thinking. because that's what shaped society exactly. today. You know what I mean? Like, if oh, you have exactly. a look at Western values, are based on Greek philosophers that lived two thousand years ago. Yes, like, how crazy is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's obviously like it shaped the political landscape because you know we've gone from, say, for example, kingdoms across Europe where 
kings were considered to be the sons of God and all that sort of shit. To now, you know what? You had the French Revolution. Fuck that. Mm. We're going to vote now mm. or w- whatever, mm. you know? So it, it is interesting that the ideas that people make popular end up having a huge impact on everybody's yes. life. Fucking crazy. Yeah. And that's all philosophy. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool that yeah. you study philosophy. Yeah. Do you use philosophy in stand-up? You should write stand-up on philosophy. Yeah, it's I use... It's not an easy task. No, it's pretty challenging. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't really do that much philosophy-based comedy. Maybe I should, though. Yeah. Yeah. That would be very cool. I did. I do. I do have one joke where I was like, I studied philosophy, which prepared me to answer all of the questions in the world except this one: How do I get a job? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then like I had a few other jokes about That's some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, and it spun off from there and <laughs> all that kind of shit. But uh, yeah, because no. I guess the audience likes to feel clever. Yeah. So if you manage to make them laugh and feel clever, then mm. yeah, I've fallen into the trap where I've tried to make a joke that was too clever okay. and it was actually like it's so clever that nobody got it <laughs> what was that <laughs> the joke was um it was something about uh i have adopted a uh, the environment is very important to me so i've adopted a lifestyle that eliminates all consumerism it's called poverty i also like to recycle especially at work so i've adopted a lifestyle that eliminates all consumerism it's called poverty right so the stupid slash part of the joke that i thought was fucking brilliant was that i recycled the joke so ah, I, yeah okay sorry hey, yeah no don't worry i didn't get it nobody else got it either <laughs> nobody else got it and i remember writing a, i've written the best joke in the world you should say it you should say it and i'm so good at recycling that i will <clears throat> repeat the same joke yeah all the time. i probably had to you I'm, have to spoon feed the audience sometimes I, I actually tried it at joke factory in front of like an all english audience i was like yeah maybe they'll get it because it's you know english and yeah international yeah. expats nothing not not a single jo- i think ah! one guy got it one guy he started laughing i go yeah you're my guy <laughs> but then i realized like i can't you know the joke it's but it's an excellent idea actually it's a very excellent idea or you can just reuse the, the set of another comedians that have been on stage before you and say yeah well i'm, I'm yeah i'm super into recycling so my name is blah 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 and then you can joke on yeah reusing the one that just been on stage before you or yeah I, th- there's something there's there. a lot of good good jokes to do with recycling on stand-up that's a good one it was a good one it was I a good one it. but it was one of those ones that i was like oh, do i want to dedicate like four hours to try to figure it out yes. or should i just abandon it like <laughs> abandon it jump ship <laughs> you do you abandon you got a but i mean you must have oh, gone through so waste. many fucking jokes yeah the wave uh, the waste um, ratio is enormous yeah of course sometimes i'm like oh it would have been a good story and then or sometimes like, yeah, does that work? And then the audience loves it. Mm. But I guess sometimes you just have to test it several times before throwing it away. Yeah, 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 yeah. But How many times do you think you need to test it? Oh, at least several times. And I use a lot. Yeah. But sometimes the crowd is hard. That's hard there. And then it's not because you don't get the response you were hoping for that the joke is a bad idea. It's just sometimes you have to work with it. And also I became better at taking uh, also on the dictaphone. Mm. And sometimes when I hear it, I'm like, no wonder no one laughed. I don't even understand myself what I was saying. Yeah. Or no wonder the tempo was wrong or the, yeah. the or the joke was unclear. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes it, you have to give it another try just before concluding this is not working on a stand-up stage. Yeah, because sometimes it doesn't 
work because of a technical error. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or yeah. tempo or timing or just what we said before. Or yeah. But ha- you've probably experienced this as well, right? Yeah, well, you've exactly. done you've done a joke and it has absolutely killed, maybe killed several times. Yes. And then you've done the exact same joke, the exact same way, and it just didn't kill. Exactly. Isn't that weird? It's super painful. And you're like, why didn't that one kill? What what happened there? Yes. Is it me? Is it them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we, I was in a show in uh, Sandnes uh, two weeks ago mm. on the West Coast, and I get all comedians struggled a lot. Yeah. Well, very well established comedians that have very good texts. Yeah. And we were all like thinking, oh, Jesus, that's a heavy, that's a heavy uh, ex- audience. But then the day after at Stavanger, applause and crowd cheering, and it's very strange. Yeah. And also, that's why it makes stand up exciting. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was, um, so no, it's not only you. No, it's, it's not. not. I can confirm. Yeah, I did a show last week where we went to Yesheim. Okay. And uh, I killed for like, I think I did 15, 16 minutes. Absolutely murdered, right? Everybody had a great night. It was, f- it was really good. Oh, shit. Sorry. And, uh, and then I was on my way back home and I was like, oh, I'm going to drop by Lincoln to see what's going on. And they're like, do you want to do like a small little spot? I go, yeah, I'll do a few, a few minutes. Nothing landed. Nothing, oh. nothing. But then like, <laughs> I go shit is it me and it's like nah dude these guys have been here for like two and a half hours they gotta they gotta <laughs> you know what i mean the show's been dragging on and on and on i was like yeah okay i get it yeah but do you fail like how do you how do you how do you deal with failure well it, um, it's a good question so i always try to think okay well that's part of the the, sh- the the stand-up bubble right mm. to accept the fact that sometimes it's hard and sometimes and also what i realized that even though you don't get this like very warm response from the audience sometimes the, pu- the audience have is having a good time mm. but just it's not as noisy or as expressive as you would have uh, expected yeah but it's not the reason why they don't think you're funny no. uh, well you, ha- you have to sometimes also filter a bit that um your experience on stage is not exactly a mirror of, of how good your performance was. And it goes both ways. Sometimes yeah. you get like an audience which is like, you are hilarious. And then, the, uh, yeah, it's not perhaps not the best show you've had. Yeah. Are you chasing like dragons sometimes? Like, you know, I mean, like, are you like, oh, I remember what it was like at Folke Theater. A thousand people clapping and laughing that's what I want to try to get back to. I want to get that. That's the feeling. I remember that. Wow, that experience that night, that's my level. I want to chase that, chase that, chase that. Are you always trying to like, you Well, know? I guess I'm ambitious. Mm. So I'm trying always to think, how can I do it funnier, better? Mm. That's that's true. But it's more regarding the texts yeah. and the performance and the level of energy and the way I manage to read the audience, reading what has been happened on stage before me. Uh I try always to get better at all these elements. It's not necessarily the biggest venue. Mm. It's more how can I get a comedian which is uh, on as, as a professional and as a funny mm. version of herself as possible. Yeah. What yeah. do you do? You, you chase like this? <sighs> no, I don't. One of again experiences. I, I I don't do it, but sometimes I catch myself comparing. Oh, we all do. You know what I mean? But I, of course. I'm like, oh, why, why that? I say, for example, the, the last time we performed together, like, oh, great response, fantastic. I was like, okay, now I just want to get that all the time. Yes. Now I just always want it to be that. How can I always make it like that? Yeah. And if it's not like that, if it's lower than that, I go, huh, that wasn't as good. Why wasn't it as good? Is it me? Is it, you know what yeah. I mean? Then I start kind of, but I'm always definitely looking to, I'm always 
trying to make every show my best performance. That's very good attitude. Yeah. And I guess also to to yeah to try to be better at all aspects because sometimes your text is not what needs to be worked with. Mm. Sometimes it's the body language, the attitude. The yeah. The yeah. energy, the timing, it can be a lot. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of elements that yeah. go into whether something yes. is like really good or not. So, but it's good that you do. So, I guess that only makes you a better version of yourself. But I've seen your the the journey you've been on. It's very cool. Yeah. I remember the first times we had a show together at at Bru and Circus. That might have oh, been yeah, two yeah, years yeah. or three years ago. Yeah. And what I saw the saw the last time was very funny. It was yeah. very very funny. Yeah, I remember that show. That wasn't that wasn't a great performance by me. That was like okay, I'm figuring some stuff out. And it was like meh, you know what I mean. So I've definitely gotten a lot better since then. But I guess everybody has in two years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah obviously. Yeah. Shit. And hopefully, let's say. Yeah. God, man, we do some crazy shows, right? Like <laughs> Isn't it insane? Some of the places you turn up to, yeah, you're like, exactly. okay, this is comic. We're going for it. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. We have so many stories all together, like very strange stuff. Yeah, what do you what do you think the differences are doing comedy as a woman? Are there any? Is it? Do you feel like there's uh, different challenges? Mm, well, I, I mean, it's hard because I've I've not been a male comedian, so it's hard to to compare like perfectly um, objectively but i think well i think the audience is responsive to you whoever you are mm. if you're good and you're funny mm. and i experienced that uh, if you are funny on stage you will be booked anyway in the right places at the right time yeah i don't think that uh, you have to I, I don't worry too much about the fact that i'm a woman no i don't comment it too much I don't. Uh, I, I don't think about it too much. What I observe is that there is a very good solidarity between women comedians, mm. and that that I like. I like very much that we very much cheer up each other and, and help each other. Yeah. Um. There is a the private group on Facebook. There is a lot of solidarity in. The, I don't know. There, I think that's very d a positive dynamic. Yeah. Um. But else, no. I think it at some points, most of the audience in the stand-up clubs are women. Have you noticed this? Yes. And so I guess that if yeah. They usually respond well to my kind of of, of jokes, mm. so I guess that helps perhaps beats. Yeah, the reason I ask is because I I did a show uh, once with a female comedian. Yes, and she said, I feel like I have to do well as a woman because uh, if I don't do well, the audience thinks that all women are bad at comedy. Oh, and I was like, oh, is that what you think? Is that is that how it is? And she, and she goes, yeah, that's 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 her, that was her experience because she she said that uh, sometimes she experiences or feels like there's a stigma that women aren't as funny as men. That's true. Yeah, that's the ugly truth, and yeah. she's right on this one because mm. I've heard several times you were funny for being a girl. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, what what was that? That's very judgmental. Yeah, it's very judgmental. So <coughs> I agree. I guess she's right. But I, I wouldn't worry too much that she's representing suddenly all women comedians when she's on stage. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I don't think you do, right? You are not representing all co stand-up comedians. When definitely you're on stage. not. Yeah. Definitely not. But I think she thought that there were so few women that did it compared to the amount of men. And did stand-up comedy? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And what what what's, uh, what pisses me off is that, for example, this we still have ladies' night. Yeah. Like, if there's only guy on stage, you would never call it a guy's night. That's no, no. so unnecessary to call it a ladies' night. Yeah. Plus, I guess, if you do so, the audience will only be ladies. Yeah. 
So I, we have to move on to that's something. A, that's a good point. If you're doing a ladies' night, there you're mostly like just attracting women. There was not a single uh, gang of boys. Not a single Y chromosome in the audience. <laughs> well, there was like guys <laughs> that had been drawn by her girlfriend, by their girlfriend, ah. but there was not like a gang of boys thinking, what's happening tonight in Oslo? You wouldn't book tickets for ladies' night if you're five, uh, five uh, male friends no. trying to see a show. So I guess... That's something we, we have to not stop in commenting when it's woman comedy. Mm. It's just comedy. Just accept that it. it's just comedy. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's, uh, I guess that's it's a bit annoying. It is kind of weird, like, I mean, how men and women get categorized into different yeah. things. Do you know what I mean? Plus, we have so many different humors. I mean, most of my female colleagues and friends in, in stand-up have very, very different universe than mine. Yeah. I love them, all of them, but it's very different. So it's like, it's not just because we're, we're women that we have the same style of humor. No. Uh, hopeful uh, luckily no but yeah uh, yeah it's like comparing ap apples and pears yeah i think there's as many styles of comedy as there are comedians exactly you know what i mean because even though people like, i can't think of like any comedians that are like exactly like each other no do you know what i mean and no, like no. you do a lineup like, let's say the last lineup we did together it was very diverse yes you know it was a very diverse uh lineup yeah Shit, I, I can't remember i can't believe at that, that show some dude pulled out a bag of weed <laughs> I, I, I made one weed joke and he pulled out a big bag of weed and goes, let's that. smoke later. I was like, oh shit, you should put that away, bro. Let's smoke later, but put it away. <laughs> oh my God. You were on fire. They loved you. Yeah, it was, you know, sometimes I just uh, plug into, the, sometimes I'm the right guy for the right audience. Moment, you I know what I mean? Like was, it was, he was one of these moments. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I stand with Daniel Rouve and he was like, also like... It was uh, laughing out loud. <laughs> what is going on? It was yeah. so funny. And the funny part is that I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I came a bit after the show start, and they had this uh, um, this uh, sound um, of the speakers towards the street. Yeah, so you could hear stand up from around the corner. And oh I was like, shit! Is that the voice of Christian? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's his voice. Because probably because on, on Saturday nights or Friday night, they probably have music towards the pavement to make yeah, people yeah. want it to go in. But yeah. Yeah, it was very strange to have stand up in the streets. Yeah. Just the sound. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You're walking past. <laughs> that was a funny joke. <laughs> Shit. So, yeah, I was good good advertising. Yeah. Are you are you uh, doing a lot of, you got some cool gigs lined up? Yeah. C coming? Yeah. Know, yeah. 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 I have, I have a lot in my plate now. I have some... Uh, Christmas uh, private uh, stuff. Oh, for like a uh, corporation, exactly. corporate gigs. Yes, yes. Nice, that's good. Yeah, it's it's cool. And also, I have a week in Latte in November and some other gigs, uh, like in the classical places, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of, of things coming now. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. A and are you making a living doing comedy? No, no. I have, a, but it's a choice. Huh? I I think I could do mm. if I were stopping my work. Yeah. Probably when I'm 38, I think that probably before I turn 40, I will say okay. Yeah, okay. I want to try, but I, I'm I'm a bit anxious as a person, so I'm not sure if I. I think it's a jump to quit your old, safe, comfortable work mm. work life. Yeah. To uh, jump into something a bit unknown. Yeah. But uh, it I sounds very uh, refreshing too. How do you how do you experience this? Uh, uh, I there's there's two ways that I look at it. There's one way like you know like the monkey swinging from the branch. 
Like yeah. the monkey shouldn't let go of the first branch until the second branch is right there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's probably an economic disaster if you like, oh, okay, I'm going to just quit my job and just focus 100% on comedy. Yes. Especially if you, you know, you're like, I don't know, I've got to pay off my mortgage. And, yeah, exactly. ah, that's tough. But on the other on the other side, I've seen comedians like Marius is a good example yes. of this. He said, okay, I'm, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to focus on comedy, 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 comedy. And he, I think he's doing well. Yeah, that's amazing because it's a short time yes. in between the fact that he said I'm trying to launch my, my L- less less than a year. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I, actually, I had I had a gig with him last week in Chi, mm. and that's the first time I first uh, thing that I told him I was like, wow, what a pace, what a speed. That's amazing, but that's very cool. Yeah, because that's well deserved. Yeah, but still, I agree. He's, so a, he's a very inspiring example for us. I, th- I think so too. I think he's very inspiring. So that th- that's why I'm like, I, I don't know what strategy is best. Like, should you try to make sure that that branch is there, or should you just be like, that's the only branch. Yeah. I have to make this work. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, you talk to like some artists or athletes, and they're like, there's no plan B. Like, th- this works, or I'm homeless, yeah. and I'm gonna do everything I can to make it work. So, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's different exactly. strategies. Yeah, also a difference of personalities, don't you think? I mean, there I are think some so. people that are, and I uh, very much admire the courage of thinking, okay, let's go yeah. 100% in one plan. A- and it's also different positions in life. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how old Marius is, but I don't, I don't think he's got, like, kids or responsibilities like that or, like, no. a big mortgage to no. pay off a fucking reke who's somewhere. Yeah. So, like, at a, at, a, at a certain point in your life, you can be m- more, you can take more risks. No, of course. Yeah, so. But I, I make, a, I make like, a, a, you know, an okay. My, my goal for 2022 was to make 100,000 kroners in comedy. Cool. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. did you manage? No. But we're not through the year yet. I don't know what I'm up to. Probably like 30 something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, I'm getting there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one step at a time. But I've, I've done a few like private, like corporate gigs that as well. That helps a lot. So much. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you can just pick up like a nice paycheck by getting those gigs. And mm. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like maybe the only place where you can really make good money from doing clubs is Latvid. For club, yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, there is all the places where you are get very well paid for one evening, one show. Yeah. But not many. No. Nah. And I guess you cannot be like every day at Latvia. You can f- get a full week there. Yeah. And sometimes, for example, in st- summer, I had double shows the whole week. Yeah. Triple show on the Saturday and the Friday. Oh wow. Like at six, eight, and ten p.m. Yeah. But yeah. Otherwise, you're right. I guess what you get money from is other things or radio or TV or comedy writing. Or yeah. One of my friends, she's uh, writing for um, Netflix now or different TV program. She's mm. writing dialogues. Oh, cool. I guess, she, well, she's also the one that actually, uh, exactly what you said, there's no plan B. I will have to make, I will so, I, w- I want so uh, to make that happen that she made it. So she had to go through these kind of years where you have dolly, uh, sorry, bad revenues and mm. a lot of stress regarding the financial aspects. Yeah. But she made it. The thing is, either she has a lot of work because there is a, a project with tight deadlines. Yeah. Or she needs to be on the prospect side. Yeah. So and it's either or, and that's also a bit like can be also tiring at the end. Yeah, and and that's also like how you define making money through comedy because mm. if she's writing for a Netflix, which show, she loves, which 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 she loves, th- that's s- comedy. But it's not stand up. No, exactly. So it's, exactly. A, it's a different thing. And you and actually, I had this discussion with another colleague that said the thing is sometimes you you see stand up comedians that want to leave from stand up that end up quitting their job to do other comedians related activities that are well 
or better paid than pure stand-up. Mm. And then they don't have time for stand-up anyway. Whereas ah. the first trigger to leave their old job was to so do stand-up. Stand but then they start to do uh, radio, TV, writings, and so on. And yeah. then suddenly they don't have much time for stand-up writing anymore. Yeah. Um, so that's a risk. How do you make money just doing stand-up? Pure stand-up. I don't know. I think that's tough. But you have to be Jonas Bergland or... Yeah, you got to do solo shows. Kevin Vogue, yes. But he's not making money just doing stand-up either. No he's got a bunch of shows. TV, yeah, yeah, he's killing it with the comedy shows. He's very, very, very talented. But yeah, yeah, oh, he's off the hook. He's <laughs> that guy's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I feel like ugh, it's, it's tough. Like it's, I mean, even, even like comedians in America. You know what I mean? They're doing other shit. You know. It's, uh, yes. Uh, well, so much I had, stuff. I had um, a gig at uh, Joke Factory with a, an American guy from LA. Mm. He said that you could be booked for a, a, um, um, a gig for in a very famous club in LA with a lot of very big names and get $17 at the end of the night. Yeah, right. And it's like, well, in, in the US, it's like, yeah, I mean, you don't get money for that. Yeah. It's just you get the privilege to be on stage in a cozy club, which is super reputated. Yeah. You don't get money out of it. You have to earn money elsewhere. Yeah. I feel like if you wanted to make a lot of money doing stand-up, you have to build up your audience. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then like Dark Sodos is a good example. Perfect example. Uh, he can travel around the entire country and people are going to turn oh up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I've warmed up. I'm not warmed up, but I, I, uh, I was uh, emceeing in an evening at Salt where he was the headliner and it was a hard crowd for me. Yeah. Since our styles are so different, people who bought tickets to see Dog. Yeah. And suddenly I am on stage and they're like, ugh. Where's, where's dog? You're not dog. Yes. Who's this chick? Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever you say. Next. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's, has, yeah, but that's cool because he it also proved that he has managed to build his audience, as you say. Yeah. Through a podcast, through a very definite style. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Cool. What, are you, cool. what are you doing to build your audience? Well, not much. I'm not good at it. No. Well, I, I, sh I could be better in using social medias or I, I guess that's one of the clue also is to be visible and very distinctive on so me to be seen. Yeah. And then you can have people like coming to the show because they've heard about you through TikTok or Instagram or you name it. Yeah. The thing is, I'm not very good at this because what I love is being on stage. Yes. And I don't have time for social media. I don't, I don't, but I think it's a wrong uh, choice I've done. Yeah. I should in invest more. I think so. I feel like it. And I see like comedians that have a audience of like, yeah, yesterday I, I did a podcast with uh, Galta. You know, yeah. Gucci Galta. Yeah. He has like 11,000 followers on uh, Instagram and yeah. then, you know, a whole bunch on TikTok. And people go to his shows to see him. Yeah. So he's selling tickets. Yes. You know what I mean? And I just feel like you this, you have to be good at stand-up. You have to do that. But you also need to have some kind of marketing strategy. Exactly. You strategy. have to be your own brand. Yes. Yeah. The irony is that I've had a whole career in marketing behind me. So really? I, yeah, so yeah. you know what to do. Exactly. But I just, I never, I never fell in... Both I'm not super comfortable in, in building my own brand and promoting myself. Mm. And second of all, I what I do love is doing being on stage and the rest of my life is packed with family and my work. Mm. So I don't have many hours left. And it takes time. If you want to go do good content on social media yeah. and have plenty of ideas, yeah. I just don't take the time. I just don't, yeah. No. Want I, to I, realize are it. you filming your sets and posting clips? No, I do very little of, ah, which is also a shame because yeah. that's a low-hanging fruit. Very, it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you do that? Yeah, I know. I should be better at that. Yeah, it looks like everybody should be better at that. Yeah. There's a lot of comedians that are fantastic comedians and no, they're not doing it. No. no, I'm not even doing it. Yes. The, the thing that I'm mostly publishing on my social media is like... The podcast. Exactly. Yes. That's it. So, but uh, I, I definitely think that like if you want to grow and make more money doing comedy, you have to get known 
and to have a name you have to be seen on social media yeah That's period or you have to have like a radio show or be on tv or get some kind of you know media coverage mm. because I, i mean like if you're going on stage and you're doing a show for 30 40 50 people twice a week it's nowhere near as many people as can see you online no exactly well, right no, no, isn't that crazy yeah. you know what i post these like clips they get thousands and thousands and thousands of views and it's like there's no way i could reach that many people no no like on stage no, in, no. in a month I yes. yeah but yeah i you know i think like i have you know i have the same kind of conversation with a lot of comedians about what needs to get done when it comes to marketing and promoting themselves and it just seems like it's a it's a it's a lot of work it is yeah it's another part of the job yes Uh, but uh, I think it's an essential part. But for example, look at Nora on Giltvet. Yes, she has such a good content. For mm. me, that's a good, uh, very good example. Yeah, I love which time I see in my in my Insta feed that Nora has done something new. I was like, oh, I need to watch. Uh, uh, she's done a lot of, but I'm sure each video is, has a lot of hours of work behind. Yeah, but it's very good. Yeah. That I would love to be like her, like having kind of a reduction plan, perhaps, and thinking that week I will talk about this and that. Yeah. But uh, you have to have time for it. Could you use your marketing experience oh, sure. to treat yourself as a client and then make oh, a plan? Oh, for yeah. What I would be fucking schizophrenic, but I would be... Uh, my marketing part would say yes. Yeah. Yes, I know exactly where, where to go. Yeah. 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 <sighs> it's not rocket science. Huh? No. It's just like it's it's a work. It's a job. Yeah. Yeah. You And you have to be comfortable in, in promoting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the two, I guess, barriers in my head: time and plus the fact that you have to very be pushy on pushing your own content. Why don't you feel comfortable pushing your own content? Really? Because I should perhaps I'm 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 I don't know I yeah it's it sounds so I don't know. yeah yeah no I'm gonna I'm gonna have a a plan for myself <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try to release uh one video every. I might start small. I think what you should try to do is do one video a week. Mm. And when I do the podcast, I try to do w at least one video every week. But now I got to try to do one stand-up clip every week. That's cool. I think so. And I think like if it's too many people just go, oh, they just see me from the podcast. I'm talking about comedy all the time. But where's your comedy clips, bro? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, so if they see both of them, they go, oh, yeah, here's the podcast. And then he here's him doing comedy. Yes. I spoke to Espen Abrahamson about this as well, and he's filming all of his sets. And oh, he, that's good. Yeah, and he's making clips, and he's gonna he's got like 10 clips that are made, and he's just gonna build them up, and then go, okay, this is my plan for the next two months. Exactly, bang, that's bang, smart. bang. I that's think I think it is. So I think if you're gonna like do something like that, you know, you could just start by making them, mm. and then just decide when you want to release them. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Am I happy with this? Yeah, I'm happy with it. You don't need to like I gotta make it, post it the next day. Mm. Just like kind of have it sitting there, and mm. then when it feels right, drop mm. it. That's true. Yeah, I did one comedy clip when it was like in May and it got so many views and so many people loved it. You know, people I don't even fucking know were coming up to me and going, dude, I saw that clip. That's so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So that's the power of social media. It's insane if it you is. harness it, it and you use it the right way. Yes. And the person who I think is the master of this is, what's his name? Holvard Dunas. Yeah, he's amazing. Exactly. But he's amazing on stage and he's very clever at, uh, he was one of the first to be very clever with TikTok. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember he had jokes about TikTok being like, oh, yeah, I have so many followers, but they are 13 years old. Yes. So they cannot see me on stage <laughs> because they cannot drink alcohol. <laughs> but he had a lot of good jokes where he had in this. But I remember that he was, I remember I was like TikTok, but then he was super smart. Yeah. He was early, uh, early adopter on this one. It's Among the stand-up comedians. Do you have TikTok? No. No, me either. Should we get it? But of course we should. Yeah. Like, of course we should. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. ugly truth. Well, I follow a lot of trends with my work. I follow a lot of trends regarding social media usage. And yeah. Norwegians, Scandinavians are early adopters for yes. everything. Yeah. So TikTok is already a bit uh, 
It's like three, it was three years ago in yeah. Where were we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Halvor were there. Yeah, he was he there. He was a clever guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so sketched out with TikTok. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I feel like, man, am I too old for TikTok? Yeah, yeah me too. Like, I got Instagram, isn't that enough? But I don't think it is. But Instagram is 10 years old. Yeah, it's old as it's shit. It's not more. Yeah. Mm. Holy fuck. Yeah, so yeah. that's the ugly truth. <laughs> that's it. That is it. So, yeah. Mm. Huh. And what else are you, like, what kind of, like, marketing? Are you a social media marketing uh, I, I worked, um, well, I uh, have a career regarding different commercial jobs in sales and marketing. Yeah. I worked for uh, a beer the beer industry yeah. in Norway, uh, a company called Ringnes, which is the part of Carlsberg. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. different brands. Is that just Solo up here in Grunnlöka? Yeah. Yeah, so you mm, were working there. For eight years. Shit. It was very nice. Yeah, and where do you work now? Uh, and after that, I worked at Nespresso. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, as a marketing director yeah. uh, for, uh, for Norway. And then now I worked in a, cl in a, in a, a bit smaller Norwegian company yep. doing uh, beauty uh, things. Beth's yeah, okay. Beauty, it's called. Beth's Beauty? Yes. Okay, and you're in charge of all the marketing? Of oh. all the company. Oh, really? You're yes. in charge of the company? Yes. The marketing or the whole company? The whole company. Really? Yeah, so, so I left marketing, pure marketing too. Yeah. So you're the CEO so or the Dagli Leder or... Mm. Holy shit. <laughs> Damn, that sounds like a big title. <laughs> yeah. Is it uh, time consuming? It is, yeah. Yeah. Mm, but I, I just started two months ago. Yeah. So yeah. And you're passionate about it. And I love it. Um, yeah. the, the people are amazing there. Yeah, that's good. And it's very nice. We have different Avdeling. Um, yeah. And all around Oslo and two clinics. And it's a very nice place to be. Wow. Mm. And so what's your goal as the CEO? Is it to try to like make more money? Overtake the world. Overtake the world. Like, what's Online your goal selling. As CEO? Like, <laughs> 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 I don't know. I'm just, right now I'm just getting known to the company and to the people and to the culture. and to Yeah. Yeah, so wow. it's very cool. And I'm learning a lot regarding um, uh, skincare. Yeah. Which I was very bad at. Well, not very bad at, but I, I never have been a heavy user of a lot of different products. Mm. So now I learn a lot from my colleagues explaining this cream is this one and that cream does this. And yeah, so mm. I'm getting a bit more clever on yeah. beauty stuff. Perhaps I will become an in in a YouTuber. Yeah, you should. Mixing stand-up and, and beauty tips. Yeah. Men are notoriously bad with skincare. Yeah, which is actually, well, in Scandinavia, compared to the rest of the world, men take care of their skin better than the average uh, rest of the Western world. But yeah, there's a lot of things you can do as a man to take care of your skin. Are they, are men using more products or? In Scandinavia, yes, yeah, than, okay. than the rest of the world, but you can still be better at taking care of the, especially, uh, especially with this tough climate. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can do to help your skin tolerate uh, the, yeah. the cold, the water. Yeah, because it gets, it gets windy and your face yes. dries out. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh. mm. So you, you have a very nice skin. Uh, in your Thank you very much. Yeah. I have, uh, you know, I think it's, I have like a good, it's not dry and it's not too oily. It's a good hydrating product you have. Uh, yeah. Yes, but that's great. Yeah, I have a natural hydrating product. Oh, you do? It's just natural? Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. You don't put any cream on it? No. Oh, that's good. No, I'm, I'm the worst at that shit. But I then you can should come to Beth's Beauty one day and I, I can will. I'll have one of my colleagues helping I'll you. Have, I'll have a, a consultation. Yes, exactly. Yeah, shit. No, I mean, you know, in Australia, like the climate is so harsh. Yeah. And like so everybody's getting skin Why cancer. Why is it so harsh? Because, because the, the ozone layer isn't there. The, yeah, okay. The ozone, there's a big hole of, in the ozone oh, layer above yeah, Australia. Okay. Mm, so you sense. just get all the UV rays just fucking eh, mm. melting your face off. So, that's tough. yeah, that's That's why up. you left. To that's to it. To so mm. I could still have beautiful Preserve skin. Preserve your beautiful skin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> your family is still there? Yeah. 
And your brothers and sisters and everyone? They're, they're, they're in Australia. Okay, so you yeah. have no family here in Norway. Apart just, from just the, the kids and, and the, the dog and, and the girlfriends. And that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I'm just out here flying solo. <laughs> I'm creating my own dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's like... Uh, and what is your goal with the podcast? Oh, my goal with the podcast is just to have as many cool conversations as possible. With comedians? Not just comedians. Actually, next week I have uh, a blogger coming in who's a friend of mine and uh, uh, an Australian woman who has a donut franchise. Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm um, branching out and talking to other... I have a lot of interest in, in life. Okay. So I'm talking to cool. a lot cool. of people that either accomplish something or that have a cool perspective on things. That's very nice. Yeah, so, you know, like my goal with... The, I just enjoy doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Like, it's just a fun thing but to do. But it suits you very well, plus you're good at it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, driving good conversations. Yeah, I, I love it. And, you know, if I was talking to you and there were no microphones here and we were just hanging out for fucking two hours, we'd probably have the exact same conversation. No, exactly. Yeah. That's I like. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. do, do you ever want to do a podcast? or? I've tried with one of my... my well, another good example of a stand-up friend, which is a, a female comedian. Yeah. Florencia. She's not doing stand-up right now because she just had a baby, but she's very funny. She's originally from Argentina. Mm. She works in... Stavo she lives in Stavanger. Yeah. And we had a show years ago called Utlendingir. Yeah. Because yeah. we had such parallel stories with moving to Norway for love and then discovering this strange culture from abroad yeah um and sh we did a podcast like we did three episodes but the fact that we didn't live in the same city was a big barrier yeah but uh, it, it was it was a shame because we had very good fun of, uh, of doing the podcast and did covering different did different you topics. have to do it online then yes. yeah it's not the same no 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 i've had a few friends in other countries that said can we do one online and i'm like i don't want to do it online no, no i just want to fucking stare into your eyes yeah, yeah, yeah exactly your soul, bro. <laughs> <laughs> especially with the drawing behind you like am i going hypnotized now? yeah exactly and all these stones and stuff there is here there is so much to watch yeah exactly i'm gonna get i got like some skulls yeah, and well, lights that's scary. and I, it's I, Halloween I got a, i've got a bunch of more shit like at home i'm gonna bring down <laughs> scare your guests yeah freak them out oh I t man halloween is coming up on sunday yeah and i have this basement underneath my building where the kids line up outside and then at the end of the corridor in the basement there's a bucket with candy inside of it okay and if they are brave enough to walk all the way to the end they get some candy and i do everything i can to scare the fuck out of them <laughs> Like That's it's, so oh my God, I have a big speaker playing scary music and another one playing dogs barking and wolves howling <laughs> and it's dark and I have like these lights all red and then each, there's a lot of doors on the side of the corridor and then they walk past, we jump out and try to scare them. They're terrified. I love it. Yeah. It's so fun. And when they make it so to the- So how old are the children? Five. I know. Well, they're, they're all my son's kindergarten. So uh, it's all his class and, you know, his classmates and stuff like that. So I have a daughter at, f she's five. She would be terrified. Oh, yeah. They're terrified. They are <laughs> terrified. But she would like the candies. Yeah, she would like the candies. <laughs> and uh, and they don't walk by themselves. They walk with their parent. Okay. So okay. they're holding their parents' hands. And then, like, you know, my girlfriend jumps out. And then, then my daughter jumps out. And then I jump out. And, you know, we, uh, I, I also have a smoke machine. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a smoke machine and just... And all the smoke comes. So they can't see shit. And i got all these cobwebs and skulls hanging down. It's it's like a haunted house. It's terrifying. 
Yeah, one of the parents came up and goes, oh, I don't know, maybe you should tone it down next year. I'm like, no, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to step it up next year. <laughs> <laughs> they get the true rats and true uh, yeah it's, it's pretty freaky are you doing anything for halloween you guys? I, 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 no i don't think so i don't have any speci- specially plans no i'm do i'm tomorrow i'm going to a party but it's not halloween related it's the premiere of calais galeverden which is oh, the show yeah, of calais yeah, yeah. that the uh, the new tv show he has put together yeah um, so that's very cool and so but no no i don't i don't think perhaps he, i am going alone i don't know many people there mm. so i'll try to keep low profile and not going as dressed as halloween since there is no, no dress code oh. <laughs> so it would be very freaked is uh, are other people dressing up i'm not i'm not sure no so mm. i will try to be low profile ah okay um, not like a ski should go off that would be very zombie, fun though like, who are you like, oh, the zombie. <laughs> <laughs> is it the halloween? French zombie halloween <laughs> Do the do the kids want to go trick or treating with you though, or anything? Are they well, like, Mom, let's sure. go? Yeah, we should do this. I yeah, don't know. it's fun. It is. Yeah. But does does your neighborhood do it in Oslo? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I I'm I'm living next to like the biggest kindergarten in Norway. There's okay. like fucking 500 kids. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, and they a lot of the you know like the classrooms they'll all get together and then go around. Okay. So I'll probably have this haunted house thing open, and then I know my son and his class are coming, and then you know probably a couple of other classes, and we have the pumpkins and everything. Cool, cool, that's very cool. I just want to scare children. <laughs> I just want to like because you know when you think about it, you can't really scare kids in real life no. except for Halloween. You know what I mean? That's the one, t- and they all love it. Like they're terrified, but but super excited. Exactly, and then they will tell the story for yeah. months after. I, I wasn't even gonna do it, but they they decided that I was doing it. Like the classroom, like you're doing it, right? We're, we're coming. See you at six o'clock. I'm like, I guess I'm fucking doing it. As a, on Friday, or is it on Monday? It's on, it's on Sunday. On Sunday. Halloween is actually on Monday. But everybody celebrates on Sunday. Yeah, at least this kindergarten is. Okay. So I'm setting it up for them, and then some other kids in the neighborhood. Okay. I'm gonna terrify them. Just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that sounds fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Let's wrap it up. It's time to uh, pick up the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not too long, but yeah, it would be nice. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so thank much you, for being Mia. a guest. Did you have a good time? I loved it. Awesome. No, but thank you very much. That was super cool. Thank you for the possibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just fun hanging out. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for being a guest. Bye, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. Mwah. Happy Halloween. Arr-